welcome to the Restart Radio Show, a very different show about gadgets on Resonance 104.4 FM. This is a different show because unlike most, we're not going to focus on all those shiny, shiny new things for you to buy. Instead, we focus on the value and the stuff we already have. The Restart Project aims for a shift of behavior towards a more sustainable and happier relationship with electronics. And our monthly community repair events here in London, which we call Restart Parties, are just the beginning. My name is Janet Gunter. I'm one of the co-founders of the Restart Project. And today we're joined by special guests um, Monique uh, and Halima, who led our Build Your Own PC Skillshare last week. Um, we host these Skillshares basically to get women more confident and more involved in our community events, which often seem very male in terms of the volunteers and the uh, amateur experts. So... Welcome, Monique and Halima. Hello. Hello. <laughs> um, you're both software developers who like to tinker with hardware, right? <laughs> um, I, it's, I found interesting your personal trajectories, like how you kind of got into tech and tinkering. Um, Halima, you said you never, I mean, you studied business. You didn't necessarily even imagine yourself having a technical career. Is that right? Yeah, that's all right. Um, that's true, actually. I started, um, I studied um, in a business school, and I was a consultant doing projects. Then I discovered um, software, and I wanted to know more about the things I was using, so I decided to learn to code. Yeah, so you, you, ha you all of a sudden you kind of got really curious about databases, data, code. Yeah, exactly. On one of my projects, I had to do data migration, but I knew nothing about what, was it, what it was. So um, I had to figure out how objects were working together, what was the relationship between them, um, and that got me thinking about um, the things I was using and um, how to, to know uh, my tools better. And yeah. And so you said you end up taking a, an eight-month uh, distance course in coding. Yeah, time. I did a, a professional retraining mm -hmm. um, in France. Um, mm -hmm. It's um, the equivalent of a open university for adults. Um, I learned to code in Java, um, and then I got started as a software developer in a, in a consultancy group in France. Okay, yeah. and but you haven't fully been like your your curiosity, technical curiosity, hasn't fully been satiated. We could say, like you you said, um, you wanted to go deeper into into some of the work that you've been doing. So you've you've gotten more technical, would you say? Uh, yeah, exactly. So um, by the years I've been coding, um, I've been working with legacy code. Uh, I've been coding legacy code myself, um, which means... Can you explain? Yeah, yes. explain for the average <laughs> listener. Yeah. Yeah. So basically it's um, making things work, um, but not really thinking about how maintainable and how software evolves. Um, so that's why I, um, I decided to, to join Coderance, where I'm an apprentice today. Okay. And I learned to write um, clean code, code that will be maintained and um, that can evolve. Yeah. Can we give people a good example? Like I, I, I've always heard my brother, he whinges about how Windows is basically a big mess that's evolved over the years. It's a, I mean, it's from, from a technical perspective, it's like a big mass of code. It's, there's a lot of legacy stuff, I guess. Maybe Windows 10 is slightly different. I don't know. But that, and that geeks tend to think of Linux being slightly cleaner or is that, is that a good thing for people to think of the way people think about it? Um, no, well, you're, you're I, shaking uh, yeah. your head. <laughs> Maybe Monique mm. would be more. Can you give us an example of something that 
is kind of okay legacy kind of held together by a string as as it were and something that's new and elegant that people have used they might be familiar with um, well, almost any sort of 10-year-old CMS compared to mm. um, a, a, a JavaScript framework that was developed two weeks okay. ago. Yeah. So <laughs> CMS sort of meaning thing. the tools we use to publish on the internet. Yeah, the, contact yeah. management system. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Versus the new the new ones, which, which are very intuitive and, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, the thing is that people are always writing brand new clean code, and it is for about, you know, six months a year or something, but it always evolves into legacy code. Exactly. Legacy code is just means something that was written a long time ago. Okay, okay, good. So, but you, uh, Halima, you're excited to be building uh, new things and building yeah. them elegantly and to be maintained, which is actually in some way in keeping with the restart spirit, isn't it? Exactly. It goes along the line of um, making the things and the software and the hardware you already have uh, last longer and be re reused and repurposed. Yeah, yeah. That, that's excellent. Well, we often talk about the influence of software, too, and the perception of obsolescence. So when things, um, when a software, as it were, is like an old car held together by a string, <laughs> it's also going to slow down your machine and make you feel like you need to get a new machine. So uh, I think software does play a big role in that. Um, and you've become you've been coming to restart parties for for how long now? Oh, for more than a year. I yeah. Think, yeah. And I, you said I don't you really remember but it, mm. it started all with a rosie the restarter the skillshare okay yeah. um that was in acne um and uh it was a skillshare about um rewiring plugs and i was um i was amazed so i grew up in france where plugs are molded together so i never got to open any and um and i discovered there was fusing plugs in the uk <laughs> Yeah. Um, and also how to change ones and rewire them. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was really, really interesting. That was a cool Skillshare because what we found is that older women uh, learned those skills at home and in school and they were able to kind of share the skills with younger women who yeah. actually are no longer learning those things. Mm. Great. And uh, Monique, you, um, I believe one of your social media bios says that you're an ancient coder and I love that. <laughs> so tell us about how you, you, you also didn't, you know, um, I guess, grow up and, and educate yourself in a way that might have lent itself to a technical career. So tell us how you got involved with um, software development. And um, Well, it was my, my first year in London, really. It was a really cold, cold winter, living in a pretty dank um, house. And uh, down the local news agents, they, there was a sale on and there was this little computer console thing for 100 quid and I happened to have a job at the time so I thought right, oh, I'm going to have that because I can play with that I'd had a 40 minute lesson in, in Fortran at high school that was the, the whole breadth of our computer science class and um, so I sort of sat down with a book that came with the little console which teach yourself assembler and and a book on basic version one and and and, and sort of typed out code from the book and, and learnt how to debug it and things like that and sort of taught myself. And that was for about, I don't know, five years or something like that. And um, and you were saying that back in those days, the hobby, you know, hobbyist computing was very much a solitary. It was oh, it was very, very much, solitary yeah, thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, especially being a bit older. I mean, maybe I, from what I understand, there were like you know kids. There was young boys and that ten year old whose fathers were encouraging them to do these things. But you know, I was twenty three years old, uh, female. I didn't know anybody who did this sort of stuff apart from me. And uh, so so yeah, I was very much on my own. I didn't had no circle of friends. 
And uh, I learned everything from um, two bookshelves down South Southwark Library, the computer section. They had two bookshelves of coding books there. And uh, the local news agents, which I think was Menzies in those days, or I, now WH Smith, I think, standing at the, at the magazine shelves there reading anything that came out every week. That's how you learned <laughs> in those days. That's it. Before okay. the internet. So how did it come, uh, move from being a hobby to, to a professional pursuit for you? I went to college not to do computing. I went to, I went to Cordwainers College to do footwear manufacture. And when I came out, it was when I graduated, it was 1988. And the recession had bit. And the, the, the fields I was going to go into, the, the sort of the big factories I was going to go to, which made theatrical and costume footwear, uh, closed down. And so I had, there I was with, uh, with uh, qualifications and no job. And so I went to the job centre and, and they said, well, what can you do? And I said, well, I can touch type, you know. And so they sent me off on one of these newfangled word processing courses. And I did that for three months and finished that. And um, uh, so I taught myself how to use the operating system and that. And they said, oh, why don't you go on a computer coding course, you know, and so they sent me off on C, Unix and Oracle course. Wow. And I did that for three months. And um, I got offered a, a job as a junior in a, in a software company, and, and that was the start of it. Uh, that was in 1989. Wow, and you'd said that you previously your, your image of, of computer scientists and coders was something completely different. Oh, yes, yeah. Uh, I remember mum taking me to uh, New South Wales University in about 1975 or something like that, and we, we went to the computer science. Uh, they had a big open weekend, and we went to the computer science department, which was actually not called computer science then. It was the electrical engineering department or something like that. And they had this computer, which was, you know, the size of a small building. And they had, and it was just all of these men walking about with their beards and their white coats and their pens in their pockets. And it was fascinating, absolutely fascinating. But at the same time, you looked at that and you thought, well, that's what the boys do. And so it was not something that was ever, um, anyone, you know, nobody ever made it clear to me that that was something I might be able to do. It was, no, that's what they do. Sort of wow, thing. and so you never looked back in a sense ever since the first job you've just been gaining skills and working in the field yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's yeah. excellent so, yeah. and and tell us um but you you did so a lot of people tend to um especially now there's a lot of i would say emphasis on coding and programming and software development um but it sounds like you always um, maintain that original curiosity about physical computing about the actual computers and building computers uh, well, well that was out of necessity okay. because uh you know you could go to work and i could use the computers that my boss you know had for me but each one of these you know 286 machines with four megabytes around they cost five thousand pounds each at the time wow. and then you know when i came home i wanted to sit and do coding i wanted to to practice and get good at it but I had nothing to work on. So, uh, you know, standing, reading the Watford Electronics Catalogue in the newsagents, I learned how, what the names of all the computer, of, of the components and things were. And, um, I decided to start buying the cheapy, you know, grey imports and build one myself because I could build one for about £400 as opposed to £5,000 wow. to buy a new computer. Mm. So the first, wow. first machine I built was made out of, 
bits that I bought from the Watford Electronic Catalogue and put together myself. Wow. And, uh, and, and of course, in those days, because they were grey imports, uh, the, the manuals came, and they were very basic in those days, and they weren't in English. They were in Chinese, and, and all the ones I had, anyway, the motherboard I bought for the first one. And uh, so you literally had to learn how to read the diagram and, and figure it all out yourself. And so once I'd done it the first time, that was it. I was off. <laughs> yeah, that's and, great. Uh, yeah, never looked back really. Yeah, that's excellent. So in our Skillshare, um, we we had uh, two sessions, right, Halima? Tell us, tell yeah. us how, tell us, tell tell the listeners how we organized this uh, build your own PC Skillshare. Yeah, so it was a particular um, Skillshare because it was in two parts. Um, in the first part, we introduced. Um, uh, the uh, pra- uh, sorry, the t- uh, technicality of uh, what is in a computer, what are the different parts, and um, how to source them, um, what to think about when you want to source all these parts, and um, and the the idea was then um, for people to think about it and come back and um, all together we would build um, the computer. So the second session was a hands-on, where um, Monique brought um, a computer. And uh, we all together we build it. Um, yeah, that was and really fun. So for those of you at home who are just constantly chained to your laptop and don't don't remember the you know the PC tower, the tower, yeah. the notion that a computer is actually um, quite a big thing. It sits on the desk or under the desk. Yeah, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about a PC. Um, I think a lot of people have become quite alienated with what a computer is. Um, I think back in the days when we did, more of us had these machines at home, we had more of an idea they were made of parts and what the parts were. Um, do you think, I think most people had some familiarity with the parts of a computer, but but didn't really ever know how they all fit together. Do you think that's fair to say, Monique? Oh, definitely, yeah. And, and you know, p- people have always... Uh, uh, got confused between what the memory is and and the hard drive, what the storage is, you know, and they 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 don't know the difference between these two. And I think when when you actually pull all the pieces out and put them on the table, and they're just bigger bigger versions of what's inside your laptop anyway. That's all they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you put them on the table, and you go, well, this is a hard drive, and you know, this is how it works, and and th- this is your memory here, and it looks quite different. And people can then sort of you know differentiate with it, and they go, ah, right, yeah. okay. So one's more like a sort of you know something that actually stores data on it, and the other one's just more like a USB drive type thing, which is sort of you know, well, that actually is not a good comparison, but it's uh, volatile, so it's not uh, it doesn't store your data mm-hmm. and so on. But I think the the point is that uh, once they actually got their hands on the different things, and everybody was dying to see what the CPU looked like, and <laughs> and you know, it hadn't occurred to me that people didn't know what these things looked like. I, I, when I was asked if I would do this, I remember I said to you, Are you sure people are going to want to, why would people want to build a PC? And, mm. and you said, oh, I think it would just be interesting to see what, what's inside and, and how it goes together. And, and you yeah. were right, because <laughs> they, were absol- they were just dying to see what was underneath that heat sink and, and what's that and what's that and hands in. And, yeah, yeah, I mean, even the, the CPU, especially, yeah, the, the central processing unit where mm-hmm. I guess where all the action happens, right? It's, it's actually quite interesting to pass around uh, it's, as a tactile piece. Um, it's quite dense, quite heavy. Mm. It's got the thermal paste on top. And you kind of explain that the thing heats up quite a bit yep. and why, it, why computers have fans. And people are familiar with that because they hear the fans and mm. they can feel the hot air. But to kind of explain how it all fits together is pretty, yeah. pretty yeah. good. Um, and so, so after we, we, we talked about what a computer is, and I guess we're not going to take listeners through that, but, <laughs> but actually you can, we can, sh- we'll share, um, Monique's slideshow. 
um, we we talked about sourcing the different parts and kind of I, I think Monique has a wealth of experience um, sourcing parts um, and all the considerations and I it never really occurred to me how it's a bit like a puzzle and can you explain Monique like when you're assembling a computer of your own specifications how how it all fits together um, yeah, but you know, it's not like, well, you have, you have to think first for what the purpose of the machine is. I mean, if you're going to be, you know, if you're wanting to do some really, um, play games, quite sophisticated modern games, you know, you're going to be looking at uh, building a sort of a higher spec machine with, with, uh, more expensive parts and so on, um, parts that are dedicated or, or, or have an ability to, uh, um, you know, play these games, um, I was but, impressed with the size of the graphics card uh, well, that you yes. brought. Well, yes, and basically massive, great big graphics cards. Now, if you're looking to do a machine for your kids' homework or something, you know, you've got other considerations. For instance, I mean, what people don't think about very much, the school will will tell you what kind of software they require you to use for your kids' homework, you know, and they might require Microsoft Word or something or other that is going to be required. And that's going to some extent dictate the kind of hardware you're going to run it on, you know. Um, uh, for instance, if you, and, and then again, if you're, if you don't want to fork out for a copy of Windows and you're looking for an absolutely budget machine just to do some browsing on the internet or something else, then, you know, you can go the Linux route, free software, and, and you can get much cheaper hardware. So you take into account, you know, the purpose you're going to use it for, your budget and so on. And then, and then you shop around and, and, uh, and buy the pieces. It, it is like putting Lego together and it's like, well, what am, you know, where can I find these pieces cheaply? And then you've got to take into account shipping costs and are you likely to want to upgrade it next year? If so, you have to take mm -hmm. into account, you know, upgradability and things like that. So there was, there was quite a lot of considerations. Originally, we were going to start building the PC in the first lesson, but then it came down to like, well, actually, there's so much to think of ahead of mm. actually getting your hands yeah. on the pieces. So that turned into the whole first lesson was just literally those considerations. Yeah. I You've been listening to Restart Radio, and we're talking about um, how we got together and learned to build some PCs and what a group of women learned from that. And I found it, uh, yeah, I found it really, really interesting. Also, because there were a number of women in the room who ha probably had some technical professions or technical jobs, maybe some other coders, I think. Yes. Um, but it's just really interesting to see how, um, yeah, how w things change when you just open up the machine um, and start. And uh, you guys told me that um, in the Skillshare, when, when you started assembling the machine, so that was the second one, after we'd learned what all the different pieces were, um, that people were quite timid to start. Is that right? Yeah, that's true. I like you say, um, opening the, the lead um, and demystifying the, the beast um, was one of the, the most important parts um, of that second session uh, for me as well, because I've never, I've never built my PC before, <laughs> to be honest. I, I bought a Raspberry Pi, but, um, but then, yeah. So um, at the beginning, like, the women were kind of scared to push uh, too hard or uh, worried about um, would things break if they're not wired in the right uh, way or um, would they got electrocuted. Um, um, and then after that, everyone was quite um, really um, willing to put hands on and we were all around and building. 
building know. the PC. So as as, as the sort as, of as it, it took about two hours, didn't it? Yes. But by the you know well into the second hour, people were just like throwing themselves into the box, yeah. hands on. Everybody was like, everybody was scrabbling about, playing, you know, touching everything. There were a lot more. It really didn't take very long at all before people yeah. were actually being really quite bold about it, and uh, and it was good to see. And uh, I tried to keep my hands out as much as possible, <laughs> and just sort of like, you know make people like, like it's your turn, you do that bit, you mm. do, go on, you do that, but somebody do this for heaven's sake, not me, you know, and <laughs> and by the yeah. end everybody was was mucking in, and uh, I think most people in the room did um, did did do something or other, didn't they? They all you know yeah, put the ram puts, in or put the heat yes. sink on. I think they were, it took two people and two screwdrivers to get the heat sink on. Yeah, that was the <laughs> most challenge. That part. was the biggest challenge, yeah. yes. But that, it did not deter them. They were excellent. They sort mm. of hoed into that task with relish. Well, it's good because in in the first session you did warn that that uh, that blood might be shed <laughs> in the building of a computer. Do you yes. want to share with listeners um, what are the what are the dangers there of uh, it's just more that there are of sharp little points inside yeah. the computer. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, there's lots of sharp bits basically, and uh, and uh, so it's uh, and and also it, a lot of cramped conditions in there. And even you know we all had very very small fingers, and, and we did wonder a lot, didn't we? How yeah. is it guys handle this? Because they've all got much bigger fingers than us, and we were having trouble getting tiny little fingers and fingernails into corners to fix things yes. and stuff. And we were going, how do these guys do it? <laughs> you know, it must be so frustrating for them. But uh, but yeah, there was a few scraped knuckles, um, <laughs> you know, on some of the metal in there and, and things like that. But, uh, you know, I brought some plasters because I knew that would happen. And one of the things you reassured uh, the group is that <clears throat> oftentimes uh, the thing doesn't start the first time you've made a small mistake and you, you, you troubleshoot it, you correct it, right? Um, and yeah. this case, you said that it, the computer started right it's, up. Yeah. I, I was standing there going, don't be disappointed. It's not going to come on straight away. And everyone stood back and we switched it on, came on, and there was such cheering. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> so, cool. Yeah. So were some of the participants excited to potentially go home and build their own PCs? How did yeah, it, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so um, like we said, the most important part of building the PC is the sourcing and thinking about what you want to do with it with your PC and um, finding the right parts. And it's a back and forth process because um, some parts might depend on the others and as you go, you will um, change your mind or adjust. And um, it, it takes a long time and we had only a week in between the two sessions. So now we learned that maybe having okay. a longer time. I don't think there were any participants who were gamers or working in graphics or any really high end no. um, areas. So, but the there interesting, was one. oh yeah. There was oh, one who right. wanted to build a Bitcoin mining machine. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's great. Um, and I, but I do think that the just thinking, reflecting on it, um, you know, uh, Monique, you were saying that the um, when a when a you know brand name manufacturer sells a, P a PC, let alone. Um, you know, uh, a lap laptops are getting really much harder to repair. But even the PC towers are are hard are hard to upgrade. Sometimes they're they're built in a way that is not really upgradable. Um, so that when you if you build your own, um, the upgradability is in a sense built in. You yeah. you can plan for that. You have mm -hmm. a lot more options, yeah, because you're using more sort of generic components. Whereas you know you buy a Dell PC or something like that. I'm not saying all of them, but quite often. Uh, and especially sort of budget limited things, um, you find that the uh, that they've literally put in just what you need, and you don't have any expansion in there. Um, and really, when you look at upgrading it, you could be pretty much sort of replacing everything in the box. So it's it's not really um, you know it's not what I'd call sort of upgradable or easily yeah. upgradable. Yeah. 
I mean, it's 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 become a much bigger problem. It's a, a as a whole in laptops, where in fact the laptop sitting in front of me uh, is not at all upgradable. It's kind of shameful. Um, <laughs> the uh, RAM is soldered on mm. to the, yeah, to the well, board. Pe- people want thinner and slimmer and sleeker and lighter, and and I'm afraid that uh, means it's a lot harder to be modular. Yeah, so I, I'm definitely thinking twice about my next um, laptop purchase. I don't really have a use for a home PC, although um, one of the uses that you suggested is like a media center, and that's something that might be might be cool for me to, to look into as well. Mm. Um, so it would be interesting to hear your reflections on, um, you know, how do you, why is it that we don't have enough women tinkerers at our events is that just is that more just because there are not as many women um in tech as a whole it, are there other reasons that you might identify for that i mean we're still probably around 10 percent women volunteers which is reflective of basically yeah, the, the industry yeah itself. the industry mm-hmm. but um would you have any thoughts halima um well probably well, because of um, the industry is male-dominated, um, coming um, as a minority uh, is a challenge itself. So that would be one of the barriers of um, women with the technical skill share to not come to one of the restart party or um, yeah. We noticed that women like to come, like women bring their friends to our skill shares. Yes. So like it does seem like women like to come in groups, and that's really cool. But we need to figure out how to bring how the to groups bring to, to the to the community yes. events. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think I think there's a fair bit of you know, imposter syndrome as well, and that you know you th- you sort of think you fix stuff for yourself or you build your own stuff for yourself and everything, but you don't think that you can possibly do that for other people because there'll be people there who can do it much better than you can that sort of thing you know so there's yeah. that and then there was the thing that we had right at the beginning with all those women who were, who were just sort of, they didn't want to touch anything in case they broke something yes or, or they injured themselves or something like that there was, there was this great timidity about yeah. uh, just getting hands in and, and stuck in and sort of mucking about with stuff in case you break things because yeah we want risk averse yeah probably. yeah yeah but do you, yeah. and do you think that starts at an early age um you were just in an event halima where there were some toy repair going on and were, were there were, th- were there girls at the maker fair that you were at was um yeah there were there were girls and, and boys mm-hmm. um uh i would say the, the boys were more likely to to touch things around and and take take the screwdriver and and try to open their their um their toys um yeah i i think it's it starts at at, at a young age yeah, I mean, I think as much as so, both of you had like didn't necessarily think of having uh, technical careers, as it were. Um, mm. But I, I think that the 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 tinkering and the kind of kinesthetic, the connection with technology, I think that I think it must start really early. I mean, mm. were you, Monique? Did you like to make things and tinker and as hack a, things as, as a, child? a child? I would have loved to, but uh, my dad was mechanic. And, uh, you know, I used to go and hang outside the house with, you know, he, he used to be in charge of all the Peugeots in Australia. And, <laughs> and they used to travel 3,000 miles across Australia to come to him to fix them. And I used to go and hang outside underneath the hood. And he would always be swatting my hands away going, you know, go away, don't, you know. And, oh, and he no. would say, oh, if I had boys, it would be different, you know. So Ooh, he, he would wow. literally, he would, 
he would have taught sons how to fix cars and all sorts of things. But with us girls, it was like, no, you, you can look, but you can't touch. Wow. And that's, um, that's how I was brought up. How, <laughs> about, how about you, Holly? Did yeah, you get to tinker a little bit? Yes, I've been a bit uh, luckier because um, my dad was, uh, was happy for me, well, to hand um, tools to him while he was repairing his car. So he used to work in a car factory, and every weekend there was something to repair. And, uh, yeah, lucky enough, I was... I was um, I was able to cool. to look inside and and help him out. Yeah. I think that's where we have to start. Frankly, um, it's you know it's it's great that women get involved through coding and through mm. other pursuits, but I really think it has to start early with mm. the kind of yeah, the hands on part. Great. Well, thanks for joining us. Um, you've been listening to Restart Radio on Resonance one hundred four point four FM. Um, if you'd like some help with a gadget, anything with a plug or a battery, uh, you can find us at our a marathon restart party that starts Friday evening at Somerset House in the the. Um, the main, um, the main central area in Somerset House and goes through Sunday evening. So you basically have the whole weekend to bring something, um, fix it with us in public, learn something. We also have an event in Barking on Saturday. If you're out east, you can join us there. You can find more information on our website, therestartproject.org, or find us on Twitter or Facebook. And thank you to OptoNoise and Cassini Sound for our music, which is made with lasers, spinning plastic discs, and discard electronics. Uh, until next week, goodbye.